Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning we have with us the man behind the Instagram account at Voice of the Second, Dale Fincher. Good to be with you, Lucas. This is great. And I'm in frozen California. I'm freezing. It's it's I think it's like 60 degrees out there. Yeah, that is. It's frigid, especially and, on the windblown sweeps of the Golden Gate. Yeah. <laughs> I um I'm surprised the police haven't uh kicked me out of this spot yet up here in the Marin Hel- Headlands uh doing my podcast. Um, they have come and talked to me a few times and then I mm-hmm. just say, is it this San Francisco? And they say, no, that's the other side of the bridge. And I said, oh, oh okay. So how do you guys feel about homeless people up here? Are you guys a bunch <laughs> of Republicans in Marin County? And then they say, oh no, like we like homeless people. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, great, great. Well, I'm, let me continue doing my podcast. And, uh, so and then kind. they go, what's your podcast called? And I say, um, uh, the Republican professor. And then they, they're like, out, out, <laughs> out. Is this your crap on the ground? If this had better be Democrat crap. Because if it's if it's Republican crap out. That might fly in Fresno, man. Actually, it doesn't fly in Fresno because they're, right. they're they're clean in Fresno. Well, anyway, sorry. Uh, for those of you listening, I my background is the Golden Gate Bridge from the Marin Headlands. So that's a bunch of inside jokes for people that aren't able to see. All right. Well, we have Dale Fincher. Dale, um, you're joining us from, you want to say what part of the country? Yeah, Exeter, New Hampshire. Wow, that was really specific. Wow. Yes, very specific. Usually That's people only this- give their address, then they don't give the city. They give the oh, zip code, but not the city. Yes. Oh, Just really? Wow. No. Well, our zip code's pretty broad. I don't know, but it's, it's on the <laughs> seacoast. So we moved here. We moved, to New Ham- moved from Colorado to New Hampshire, you know, uh, 18 months ago. Cool. And it's been great. We're 15 minutes from the ocean. Wow. And, and there's so many little small historic towns everywhere. 15 and I'm minutes walking or 15 minutes driving? 15, you know, sometimes 15 minutes walking. I literally can walk seven minutes down the road from where I am and be at a tavern where George Washington stopped to have some refreshment. Wow, George Washington. Cool. Yeah. And, and then wow. right around the corner from that, is the spot downtown Exeter where Abraham Lincoln spoke at some point. So I feel like the history of everything going on around here makes even Praise what God. we're talking about feel more significant. Wow, that's cool. So mm-hmm. you are a Second Amendment activist on Instagram. You live mm-hmm. in New England now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, is that considered New England, New Hampshire? Oh, yeah. They call that it's, New it, England? Okay. You can't, it's hard, you can't get any more New England than... Well, I just don't know where New England stops and where it starts. I mean, like, is New York New England? No, I don't think so. See, that's what I mean. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, is is Vermont New England? I think it is, yeah. Okay. And Massachusetts so you, go across, and, you go across the river, it's not New England anymore. I guess. Even I don't though know York, how... York is in England. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they call it New York because yeah. it's it's it's... <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, right, don't try to figure it out. Right? Well, the whole west, the whole eastern seaboard is all named after English, you know, stuff. You can't get away yeah. from it. Or or, just... in, or Indians. Yeah. Or or Indians, yeah. Or Indians, yeah. We we can't just give all the credit to the colonialists who Yeah. Massachusetts. There's no town in in England named after that. That's an excellent point. Excellent. So what I like about New Hampshire is that it actually is a shire. And, you know, that's cool. Where hobbits hang out, you know. (laughs) Um, So tell us about your approach to the defending the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment advocacy on Instagram. And you can find them on Instagram at Voice of the Second. First of all, tell us about the name Voice of the Second. How did you come up with that name? Right. You know, I, I was I started this uh, over four years ago. And when I first started it, I was totally in the closet. It was a secret. I didn't tell people about it, but it was a way for me to start. I, I felt like a, a political I felt like I needed to, to understand the political climate better on social media and then offer my voice if I had anything to say. And I wanted to see, did I, do I have anything to say? It's nothing like, you know, it, it gets really boring sometimes on social media when everybody's just repeating each other and resharing each other. And you could have large accounts, but what they say is just, nah. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like cheap breakfast cereals. Like, okay, yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. I see what you're doing, but you're not advancing the conversation or bringing or, or helping people reach a level of maturity where they understand their place in, in as a citizen. So anyway, I started doing that. And uh, the Second Amendment to me was has been like one of the clearest litmus tests on whether or not your government values you as a human being and sees you as somebody with moral boundaries. Mm. And moral I found boundaries. Just, Ooh, good. Good phrase. Moral boundary, which which is really just it, it's my uh, abbreviated way to say rights. Rights are thrown around so easily. That's interesting. Me, so you use the boundary language from psychology. Is that uh-huh, right? Sure. Oh, that's right. That's interesting. Like relationships. Yeah. Creepy relationships don't don't respect boundaries. And so <laughs> exactly. that's that's your intuition about government is like this is a creepy relationship. It is a creepy relationship, but they don't respect your natural rights. We are moral <laughs> boundaries. So uh you're going but to yeah, reach that people like with that test. insight. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, it's all good. I was just going to give you a compliment. Um, <laughs> I'll pause for that. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes we talk over each other because of technology. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, the uh, thought I had was you're going to reach people with that insight, just that word boundary that you're not mm-hmm. maybe not going to reach otherwise because people that have a lot of trauma or or have experienced <clears throat> maybe they don't know what they think about politics mm-hmm. but they've been wounded right mm-hmm. in in their life by by harmful or uh, relationships of some kind and they they're not used to thinking of the government as a boundary crosser in a relationship and that's a new flash of insight for, for those kind of people. Yeah. I, and they might is, be I, really scared of guns. Like they might think, okay, or maybe they went to a shooting range and it, it's so loud. It's so jolting to your body. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that can feel very traumatic to people that have gone through harmful mm-hmm. times. Okay. Sorry. That's all I wanted to say. 
No, no, no. I think that's super important. And, and the moral boundaries is related more to natural rights rather than just, you know, some sort of contract of you agreeing to do something together, which is a type of, of boundary. But the Second Amendment is such a strong moral boundary to me in understanding not just that you are allowed to be empowered, but that other people are not allowed to have certain kinds of power over you. And I find that people understand this. I think the average person understands it when you talk about like uh, domestic abuse. They're like, oh yeah, when the yes. spouse is beating on the other, like you mentioned. And they can't understand it. Many understand it when it's like in a business or even in a church. And a lot of, I mean, I come from also a background of a lot of spiritual organizational abuse, theological abuse. So I understand it keenly that you're right or you're, you're right to take up space without others stealing it away from you is a, is a huge empowering moment. And of course, we, it, there's deeper views that ground that. But that to me is such an important part of the Second Amendment. So when I come at the Second Amendment, I don't necessarily come to it as a gun guy. I mean, I think firearms are important. I find them interesting, but I'm not in like the gun culture. And there's so much that goes on in gun culture about the new releases of firearms and the big... <laughs> trade shows and the people going out showing off, you know, that this is what they've been doing at the range. I'm like, I can appreciate that. I totally get it. But that's not what gets me up in the morning. It's the deeper ideas about what it means to be a fully human person on the earth and how that translates to the politics of our country and why these rights are so important for us to preserve. So Second Amendment is some ways like a, a conduit into this larger conversation. Yeah. And I, I'm always keen on pointing out too, I don't think I'm the voice of the second. I'm a voice of the second. And we can all be a voice of the second as we're talking about being an empowered individual in the world. Right. <clears throat> okay, so let me get your handle right. Did I get your handle right? What was your handle? Uh, is it the voice of the second or is it voice nope, of the second? No, just voice. Voice yep. of the second. Okay. At voice of the two in D second. Okay, good. I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. Okay. You, there, in what you just said, there's a few little rabbit trails we could go on. Um, sure. First of all, just affirm for those of you who can't see Dale or maybe don't know him, um, he is not one of these tactical guys. So for you, Second Amendment people, uh, you'll know what that means. If you're not a second amendment person yet, or maybe you're on a journey or you're just curious, um, you wouldn't look at Dale and think he's got the latest gizmos and uh, he's got the magazines and gosh, I guess, do, do people even get magazines anymore? I guess that's kind of eighties. Um, <laughs> um, he, you know, if he goes to the Barnes and Noble, he's not necessarily going right over to guns and ammo magazine or whatever. Um, that's right. He's, he, he's not go, he doesn't go to shot show in in vegas at, for those of you who are in the second amendment world you know what that is it's a trade show it's a big big deal in the second amendment community um where you have all the latest gizmos and and stuff and it's pretty big um he's not he's not doing that he doesn't have his booth up for that um he's a deep person he's a thinker he's a feeler he you 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 mentioned your background with uh, organizational abuse, um, mm -hmm. 
And that's an interesting segue into your Second Amendment activism. So how did your how's that contribute the organizational abuse that you've experienced? Tell us about what that was, what the sure. what that looked like yeah. for you. Right. So it was, had to do with the college that I went to and which was a deeply fundamentalist Christian campus and the kind of thought policing that they did there. Of course, you know, when you go there, I'm also, a, you know, a deep person of faith. So when I go there, I'm, I'm an open, humble person ready to receive. I want to understand the Bible. I'm going to understand how to live more deeply out my faith. And I want to grow in the, I mean, I was a pre-law major and I eventually went into theater and did those things. So I really just wanted to immerse in, in Christian thought. But what I discovered was it was a highly regulated community and certain yeah. you know, ideas were off limits and, and where you could go. You always <laughs> had to sign out who you could talk to constantly messages from the front about, you know, association and bad association and good association. And I later realized in the category of in, in academics, it's actually called a sociological cult. And uh, that was an organization, organizationally abusive place. And to get out, you know, some people say, well, why didn't you get out? But like, you know, that's right. Those questions aren't helpful. And, and anybody who's been in an abusive situation understands that it's like the frog in the pot. It's just a slow boil. And you things are telling you things aren't right, but getting out seems more dangerous than staying in. And uh, eventually I got out. Yeah. And I had a lot of healing to do. And I saw more and more through it as time went on. And later, as I was doing nonprofit work, I helped a lot of people get out and process those kinds of relationships and, and, and being stuck in those kinds of churches and organizations. So did that did that destroy your faith? Did Oh, for me? No, not at all. And it didn't for me because I was seeking out the true faith rather than seeking out belonging. And that's an, that is a, a major difference of what we even see today, that when your hunt is for belonging to a community or a group is greater than your desire for truth and a coherent life, then you will get sucked into all sorts of movements that are trying to sell you that you can belong. I mean, that's a major emphasis today of the LGBTQ community. I mean, their primary message is belonging. Their primary message is not, how do you live a coherent life? So for me, I was pursuing God because I believed that he would bring the coherence to everything and so that I could build a life that way. Say that contrast again, belonging versus... Living a coherent life. A coherent life meaning I want to Belonging versus... Okay. I'm just trying to repeat that again belonging you said the lgbtq community they emphasize belonging is that what you mm-hmm. said that's right belonging versus they're cutting out something yes what's what are they cutting out again a coherent life okay tell say there's this this has something to do with the second amendment i can see where this is <laughs> I, I actually can't see where this is going yet but that's what makes it so fun and exciting there, there we go. And the Second Amendment is built on the same foundation of a coherent life, too. So that's uh, if you look read my okay. bio at my, at my uh, account, it says um, the idea of exploring or understanding and teaching the foundational principles behind the Second Amendment, which are going to apply to everything. But the Second Amendment, again, is just a conduit to move us into this larger world and this larger conversation. Mm hmm. So what's a coherent life? A coherent oh, right, life says, I, right. I need to be open to reality at all costs. 
I was going to say racism, but okay. <laughs> right. Well, we want to be open Homo- to reality. Homophobia. Yes. If, as long as you, as long Sexism. as you don't have homophobia, you are live a coherent is- Islamophobia. life. Islamophobia. Uh huh. You got um, it. No, I mean, I, I think some people listening to this, that's where they go. They're, as soon as you mention the LGBTQ and you're, and they're thinking, oh no, this guy is Jerry Falwell. Mm-hmm. I now know where this guy's coming from. Okay. So what would yeah. you say to that? So just address that issue, right? I there. would say you, you don't know where I'm coming from. So that would be the, it's, it's so easy to jump to conclusions because we have been programmed in the political discourse to look for the buzzwords and look for the conclusion somebody has and then write them off without understanding how they got there. Yeah. That's pretty much what I was just doing just there. <laughs> yeah. There but, 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 okay. Let me take this a little bit further though. Just yeah. And in, in, out of compassion for people like that. Right. They are coming from a, they really feel like they're doing the world good. Right. They, mm-hmm. the racists are bad and uh, you just, um, mentioned something about lgbtq wanting belonging mm-hmm. but not being coherent and not seeing a coherent life over yeah belonging over a coherent life that's right how that, is that the lgbtq the not 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 coherent how's that not a coherent life well the the basic one is not allowing our biology to inform our gender so the idea of biology from a philosoph- philosophy of science perspective The idea of biology does not have authority to tell or to inform what my gender may be. Okay. So if we want. Need need that for coherence. You need that for, you need it for coherence to live a coherent life. If your coherent life is to live according to reality. If you don't want to live according to reality, you can find coherence in other ways. But I think you're just going to keep bumping into reality where the incoherence is, and you either have to ignore it, which is what the Enlightenment did onward, Enlightenment, modernism, postmodernism, or you have to begin wrestling with it and come to terms with it. That makes sense. I, I think we see this. Um, well, Everybody, this is not scripted. We don't plan these out. So we, I just bring people on that I trust to be able to handle this kind of stuff, to make it real. And he can totally handle this. So I no problem um, going on these little rabbit trails. I know we will go back to what we were talking about. We will. Just it's chasing this down. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the Biden pick for, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Supreme Court, um, mm-hmm. Mrs. Jackson. She apparently thinks she she's a woman and Biden thinks she's a woman, too. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, everybody thinks she's a woman because right. she is a woman. She's an adult human female, which is what the word means. That's what it means in English. That's the, right. The, the word the, the English language goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. And the word woman is translated into English from other languages, which go back even further. And that's what it means in those languages. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows this, but we pretend not to know it just mm-hmm. for a f- certain period of time. I mean, I don't pretend not to know it, but she pretended under oath. She pretended not to know what a woman was. And um, so to me, that's like, um, 
maybe that's an example of what you're talking about. Is that sure. is that a good example? Okay. I, I think it's a great example. And uh, it's part of the, also the postmodern game because we know that words are just utterances. They're just sounds that we make and, or just scribblings on a page. But the words also have content to them. They refer to things. So what the postmodern game is, which is race theory and LGBTQ gender theory Hold on, Dale, I'm going to pause. Okay. Sorry for that. Okay, so you were saying... Yes, wherever we got cut off. About the word, words have content to them. They're like little suitcases, yeah. and the suitcases have content. What the postmodern does is says that we need to rearrange the content of words, keep the words the same. Don't come up with new words for new concepts. Keep the words the same, but work on smuggling other concepts into the words. And so that's where you know you see Mrs. Jackson at to her for her to answer that. Woman means the content that it has always meant yeah. would then contradict and go against the political movement that says we have replaced the content inside of that. But that is incoherent because whether you say the word woman or not, the content remains. There's still a real world. And that's what I'm after. Because if you can't live a coherent life by corresponding to the real world, right. then all you're doing is playing the word games. And that's yeah. where... A lot of people don't mind the word games if it means they can belong to the group because we feel so alone and isolated and insecure and all those things that make up the frailty of humanity. And so many of us, and I understand it, I'm tempted to move in those directions myself and have found myself in those places in the past. So tempted to move in just for the thumbs up, you did it. You're on the right team. You're on the right side you of belong. history. You belong. You belong. You're and belonging. Be like, yeah, yeah. Thankful. And I, you know, it's amazing. You, we talk about this because I see examples of it. People who have been harmed in some institutions like the church, they were so zealous, then they were harmed. I have seen it repeated over and over again, where they will then jump into a deeply progressive movement, just as zealous, mm. but the content has changed. Before you were all for all these conservative values. The next week you're for all these progressive values, which tells me you weren't after values. You were looking to belong in a place where you can exude your zeal. And I get it, but it's not a coherent life. Well, and maybe feel safe. Maybe they felt like the conservative, uh, that, that was your word that you used, or the religious, that was um, the non-progressive. That was um dangerous for them i guess because of the abuse that they felt so what how did what's the character of the abuse uh, it's some kind of boundary crossing it's always yes yeah, boundary crossing gaslighting it is uh getting you to which is a form of gaslighting getting you to distrust what seems to be the case as true in other words, and, uh, philosophy class. <laughs> it's a philosophy class, right? But it is, it is, it, it acts, no, not, abuse not acts as a, as a medium between you and reality. And that medium is going to do all the interpreting for you. And that's why the progressive movement to me is so similar, has so many of the trademarks as these fundamentalist groups, because there's always a mediator constantly reinterpreting 
reality, which you are perfectly capable of getting at because you have a mind and a will and emotions and a soul, but they keep you from getting at that thing so that you will continue to conform to the structure that's been presented to you. Kind of like the Truman Show, if you've watched that movie. Mm -hmm. So who's the mediator for the progressives? Well, speaking as a university professor, you would know. <laughs> well, I mean, in the, I think the conservative groups, isn't it like a normally a guy or something? It's, it's like a guy, it's a pastor or it's not, it's a it's guy, sometimes, right? Sometimes there's a big personality, like it could be a big Obama kind of guy and everybody's got a rally behind. Just oh, like so you're saying for the progressives. Okay. Yeah. For the progressives. Um, but I found in my experience was it was not a guy. My experience was it truly was an institution where a lot of people are coming together within the structure. In some ways, it'd be like what it'd be like to be in uh, East Berlin in 1988. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're so like, it's who not, am it's I following? Like, I don't know, but I'm it's a, Oh, okay. I'm controlling. It's malformed. It's a malformed structure. That's and right. keep it. Okay. That, I get that. I get that. And, and you always know the case because shame usually accompanies it, mm. especially those who are hunting for a place of belonging. It's like, how dare you? Or what kind of person and filth might you be? What kind of sinner might you be? What kind of racist might you be? If, or, or a homophobic or bigot if you leave our group. And so you get trapped in it. And you're like, I don't want to be any of those things. It sounds like it's really bad to go out there and I'm going to become a bad person. So I might as well stay. So the same, yeah, I can now see what you're saying. The same screwed up structure is kind of harmful on the progressive side because it's abusive language if you leave That's with right. your boundaries. Like if you have your okay. own beliefs that don't match, let's say you do really believe that Miss Jackson up for the Supreme Court is a woman. And you can clearly see she's a woman. And anybody who says even her under oath before the Senate Judiciary Committee that she doesn't know what a woman is, is so utterly ridiculous to you. But you're you might be afraid of leaving the progressive fold because you're going to be called names like it was in seventh grade or something. Is that kind of what and, you mean? Yeah, that's what happens. Okay. Yeah, it's an emotion. Cult groups like that is an emotion, an emotionally immature group. You just it described the college campuses. If yes. I were to have this, <laughs> if I were to have this discussion in campus, there would be a social pressure, an invisible social pressure, almost like a demonic presence. Mm -hmm. Da uh, damping down on the coal, the warm coals of free thought, and and everybody has those coals of free thought in their own soul, but That's the, right. the wetness of this weird social pressure always always dampens that out in the classroom. Everybody's right. looking around. Can I say this? Can I say what a woman is? Yeah. And there's often, oftentimes there's that one kid that will just say it and people look at him like they, they're, they're uncomfortable, but they're not, they're not going to side with him publicly, but inside they, they know he's right. And they might even have their own personal sigh of relief. I'm glad somebody said it, it but I didn't want to put my neck out there. 
Yeah, the university is really a mal- really kind of an abusive place. I it's very toxic. I, I felt it. I I I I felt very panicky that I couldn't leave. Like this is how I'm going to make my living, and so I have to just get with these people and I have to belong. But the inside voice was. I cannot do that in good conscience because this place is not really even a university anymore. It's, it's, it's a university is dedicated to academic excellence and pursuing truth. We can't even admit the things that are obviously true here. That's right. <laughs> so, so That's I mean, right. I mean, we can't, I can, but uh, I get, I feel like I, I get punished. If yeah, I, you can't without consequence. If yeah, somebody yeah, says you're right. free to do something, but then they're going to punish you afterwards, it means you're not free to do something. So, okay. You mentioned, going back to the Second Amendment. Yeah. You mentioned there are deeper things in the Second Amendment. Um, a deeper philosophy of that. Can you walk us through what that means? What do you, how do you interpret the second amendment? Sure. Second, let you want to give us the text of the second amendment and does the text inform how you read it and how you understand it? It, it, it partly does, but I feel like the text is there because of the ideas rather than the ideas are there because of the text. Okay. You know, uh, you know, it's so embarrassing forgetting how the second amendment begins for the right of the people that keep and bear arms should not be a fringe is the important part. And the first part is about a, a militia is necessary for a free state. Can mm-hmm. you, you give us the phrase? A well-regulated militia there being necessary to the security of a free state comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's right. So some of that you could say is a, is a practical measure, but the practical measure in order to have freedom is grounded in the fact that humans are supposed to have freedom. Hmm. And that the human, the individual, as well as... That's a starting point. Starting point. And the Hmm. individual, as well as the community, transcends the government. And that the Second Amendment is in place, not for the people, but for the government. Meaning it gives the government rights or, or it, it gives, tells the government what they're not allowed to do. Yeah. It limits them. So it's a boundary. It's 100% a boundary. So that's what's great about, you know, all, all laws being written down is that now they're codified and we people all agree that this is what we're going to follow. But when they are laws written down that res- correspond to morality, well, it's the morality that informed them. The document just codified them, as we know. So the deeper idea behind the Second Amendment is is that the individual person is such a thing of value, of worth, of stature, of place in the world, that no government from the dawn of time to the end of history is allowed to trample on that person with any moral cause now that's tricky when you get into the weeds of how do you organize and structure society i get that right if don't let the weeds dictate the deeper principle we need to be continually untangling the weeds 
so that we can get closer and closer to the principal. The way you use Instagram is interesting. Um, I, I've pulled up your account so I can refresh my mind on on it. You have I'm pull it up too, so I can refresh my mind on. It. <laughs> okay. It's, most people don't think of Instagram as a way to reach people with long form discussion or teaching. Yeah. What you do is your mode of of operation is I'm just going to click on a post. Here's one from March 15th. Remember again what we are fighting for. Mm. So you'll have a you'll have a a quote. Sometimes it's longer than that. Yeah. So, and it's a, it's, what are these quotes designed to do? Well, the quote is trying to get a concept boiled down to a pithy phrase that could be not only remembered, but shared. Because mm -hmm. that's what I want. I want people to share the idea and to trigger people into thinking about it. So that's why, that's why I love Instagram is that I love short quotes. Everybody likes short quotes. They build, they put them on their right. So we love we love the pithy phrases. We put them on refrigerators. We put them on our walls. We say them to each other. You know, we love Mark Twain, and so to me, Instagram lends itself for me to be able to say and boil down these pity sayings. And then if you're more interested in what I mean by it and what it could mean for you, we'll jump down into the caption and I do my best to explain it. I love that. The yeah. You have limited. long captions. I do. Have I long so you have, you'll have like captions that are, that one's not too long on March 15th. No. That's only a couple par small paragraphs, but I sometimes you'll have like five, like five or six. Oh, really? I think so. Well, you sometimes it appears, it appears that you have like multiple paragraphs in it. And um, yep. it's like an essay uh, in the caption. Yep. Okay. And, and you're using the captions to expand on the quote? That's exactly right. And that's the whole point of it. It's like, if you want to go deeper, read the caption. But I don't feel like I could just say the quote without explanation. It feels irresponsible to me in the purpose I'm trying to do and educate my fellow citizens and fellow humans to say we can rise up and be more fully human and be leaders in our thoughts and our actions in the society that's gone crazy. Yeah. Um, I think most people would think of Facebook that way. Like Facebook is for the longer form. Um, like for I, example, I, I, let's, let's, let's describe Instagram to people because there's some, there's limiting features on all of these platforms. And so the limiting feature on Instagram, at least from my perspective is mm -hmm. like, I can push a button. Let me, let me just show you what I'm looking at. I'm looking at this iPad. So I'm looking at your post and I can push this button and I can share mm -hmm. that to, it says add post to your story. So that's what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. I'm just adding it to my story. So now it's on mm -hmm. uh, Republican professor story for 24 hours and anybody who sees the red circle around my the Republican professor profile picture or whatever I don't know what it's called but they'll see that I have a story they can click on it 
And some people have like a million stories and you're like, okay, a lot of it's political commentary or sometimes it's cat videos or sometimes it's like my pet dolphin. Look how cute he is. Um, but so that'll be up there for 24 hours and I can see who looked at that. Right. And it's not very many people for me. It's like, you know, 30 people, maybe sometimes it's two for a long time. It was two. And I, I, I have a feeling Instagram was, was suppressing that i have no idea how they sure. do it but they it's how can it be two for two months and then go to 30 all of a sudden yeah and it's stay, well at, known and stay they... at 30 yeah and you know so they will uh, my cat videos will get i do share some of those i i one of the stories i have on there is today is a little chick that has a little flower on his head like a little baby I think, duck duckling or something that'll probably help the 40. algorithm That'll probably get 40 views or whatever. <laughs> and then my, you know, if a political commentary gets less. These are people that follow me, by the way. So they know where I'm coming from politically. So they, even they like the animals better than the politics. That but um, yeah, so the, uh, but my point is, is that when it gets shared to your story on Instagram, the caption does not go with it. That's right. So that's, that's a limiting feature does that bother you? Because they, no. they will look at it. Okay. So tell us. Partly because um, when people share it, other people see it. And I get a lot more people following the, the cause of it. Oh, okay. And then so eventually they'll see the captions. That's right. Oh, okay. I got you. And then, okay. So they can click. Okay. Maybe that's what some people are missing. So they can click the story. They can see the post when they see the post, they go to your page. Uh -huh. so I just clicked through and then they can see the caption. Now there's other interesting things about how you use it. You have yeah. 18 posts. You've been doing this for 14 years. Did you say four, four years, four, four years, four years, four years. You have 18. You only have 18 posts. Yeah. Isn't that what's, great? What's behind that? What, what, how well, come? the first nine posts is just a logo. You know, how you make a grid pattern. Yeah. And uh, whenever my logo has changed, it has evolved. There it is. You know, I, I post it up. That's what I do. I how do long did it take bottom. you to? How long did it take you to do that? Uh, not, I mean, to make the the image was really easy. And then you go into a grid app, and it makes it into nine pictures for you. And you just go boom, 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 boom. So it's okay. it's fast. But what I because I noticed how in Instagram shadow bans, like you said, and people get reported. I've watched the pattern. People will often, some often get reported for things they posted a year ago or two years ago, three years. And they're like, whoa, this is from a long time ago. Because I think what happens is there's a, there's a lot of, a little army of people out there running around just trying to create havoc and report your stuff. There's also, I think the bot algorithm is constantly finding new keywords, search words, images, find things that have been popular that they didn't like, and they're able to trace it back that you also shared it. And so all of a sudden they have a strike against your account and then two strikes. And I think it's like three strikes and I think you get banned, but unless it's something really bad. But I thought with the nine posts, I only have my last nine posts. That's it. So when I make a post, when I made my post today, I deleted my 10th post. I don't delete it. I archive it. Pretty soon I'm going to have them all on my website at dalefincher.com. 
so anybody can scroll through all of the work that I've done here. Oh, that's and, good. Okay. I was worried that you're doing, you're putting all this effort into it. And then you, I guess my worry away. was that you change your mind and you're like, I didn't, that was not a good post. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. And I, I'm I like, don't... no, Dale, what are you doing? Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, when you put your ideas out there, you do You've feel been very so vulnerable. damaged by your college experience. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Instagram reminds me of my college a little bit. Everybody running around reporting each other and sin sniffing, as we like to call it. Dale, you have a, uh, this well thought out use of Instagram. Okay. So it's much well. So this is now going to be developed on your website, dalefincher.com. Yep. Okay. That's right. That's right. Dale, I remember you from our time at Biola University. We were both graduate students in the philosophy program. Over 20 years ago. It hasn't been that long. It yeah. Seems like, it seems like, to me, it seems like 19 max, 19 and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a yeah. long time. It's been 20 years ago. Well, actually... Yeah. Since I arrived, it's getting, it's going on 20 years. It's not quite 20 years, but, um, you went to school at this place that you experienced harm that you called fundamentalist. Yeah. You didn't lose your faith. No, you were a theater major. Is that right? The, yep. I went, I did my graduate work in theater there too. Yep. And then you got an idea to study philosophy. Yeah. And you came and studied at Biola for philosophy. Yeah. Does your philosophy background help you understand what's going on with the Second Amendment and this cultural oh stuff? Oh, my 100%. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't, without the philosophical background, it would, it, it would take a lot of time and energy to really understand how bad the ideas are out there, how incoherent they are, and the foundation that people are building on. Because when you can understand the foundational philosophy they build on, then right. you can, it's more predictable of what their outcome is going to be. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I understand why you say that outcome, because this is your foundation. If you're an anti-realist, mm. if you are a naturalist, then postmodernism makes perfect sense. That's where it goes. So, mm. but, but people don't understand that. And I think the average person is just, floating around on the pop culture level. If yeah. somebody's talking about, you know, these, oh my gosh, progressive issues. And they're like, we need to stop, you know, all the gay books in the library or whatever it is that they're <laughs> talking about. It's like, you know what? That's not going to really help. You're just running around playing, you know, whack-a-mole. You have to understand that this is a much deeper philosophy. And if you do not address the philosophy, you will not turn this train wreck around. And philosophy has helped really help inform me on how to navigate it, how to make distinctions, how to stay on topic and how to get to me at the heart of the matter, rather than just flitting along from issue to issue. The heart of the matter. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to say how you use Instagram. You're trying to get at the heart of the matter with each yeah, of these good. posts. You're like, okay, here's, this goes to the heart, but you can't say it in just one sentence. So here's a caption. And exactly. also your concern for coherence. You mentioned belonging versus coherence. 
Yeah. And you're, I don't think most people, I don't know. I don't hear most people go coherence right away, but your philosophical background has taught you, your training has taught you how to spot incoherence. Would you say that's fair to say? Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you go to like to the, a classic example, a simple examples of it, if you go to uh, the Instagram page um, at defiant.ls, he's the one who's taken his uh, time scouring Twitter for all these progressive accounts and then showing one tweet they gave, which said one thing on a topic. Say, say it again. And then say find the, the, say the address exact, again. Sorry, say it again. Defi- defiant dot ls okay that's not going to take me to some kind of terrorist website or anything i I hope not it's named after a very outspoken progressive uh i got it i got it yeah i got it okay but that's interesting i'll have to follow this guy he's totally you know uh he's got make him i'll make him feel better because he's only got 53.4 thousand followers so you know yes he'll probably really notice my follow one of my claims to fame is i started following him when he was only at like three thousand. so i feel very proud of myself you know kind of getting in on the the ground level you did but what i I love about him and he's he's been you know you know marked on twitter as being you know somebody spreading hate speech he's been you know shadow banned on instagram i can't even tag him in posts because Instagram won't let you tag him because he's such a bad guy. But what's amazing. He doesn't belong. He doesn't belong. He doesn't belong because he's so coherent. (laughs) It's the incoherence. And what he's pointing out is he's taking tweets from progressive leftist Democrats. And he just shows two tweets from the same guy and how they contradict each other. And his entire account is just quoting them. But he is spreading hate speech because he's quoting them and pointing out their incoherence. Now, the thing is, a postmodern doesn't care about incoherence. Mm. At the end of the day, a postmodernist cares only about power, satisfying the appetite. Belonging is part of satisfying our appetite. So wherever I can get it, however I can get it, that's where I'm going to get sucked into. The, here, is the, here is what's so important. A coherent life leads to belonging, because then you, are, you end up finding those people who know how to grow up and live a good life. And those are the people you want to link arms with. But if belonging is your goal first, rather than coherence, then you're going to be in a group that is super fickle and full of shame because they're like the, uh, that weird, uh, codependent boyfriend or girlfriend in high school that is cling to you all the time. Wow. That's really good, man. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) I wish I could get you to say all that again. And, And probably some people are saying that too but then okay just go back (laughs) rewind we have the rewind feature for that reason and you can if we only knew how to edit video we could we could play that again yeah well i got to do one foot in front of the other here um i uh i i I can't even re-say what what i liked about it because i you said it so fast for me anyway (laughs) <laughs> you said you said if you go after belonging first if that's your primary goal mm-hmm. you're not gonna it's almost like the person that said if you if if happiness is your goal you're not gonna get it you got to go that's for right. other things besides happiness and then you'll get happiness i don't know you if got that's it. reaches that but but if you if belonging at all costs is your goal you're going to be very attracted to progressives mm-hmm 
but you're going to sacrifice coherence and reality. But That's it, right. what, what I really linked up with, what it really nudged my heart when I heard what you said was that if coherence is your goal, you will find belonging mm -hmm. and it will be much healthier because right. these, these people respect boundaries. Is that some, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And in fact, I would go so far as to say you will actually find real belonging because I find that those who are sucked into this belonging trap that progressives often offer, it's, and a lot of fundamentalist groups on the conservative side, they're not off the hook. That's not real belonging Absolutely. at all. It's, in some, it's, it's kidnapping in some ways. <laughs> and you're trapped in the basement. You're like, I'd like to get out. They're like, well, you don't want to go out there. It's too scary, aren't it? It's so nice. You don't want to be a racist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to be a racist, do you? <laughs> Repeat after me. I don't know what a woman is. I don't want to know what a woman is. I don't know what a woman is. I don't know what a woman is. Repeat um, after me. So glad we're, we're nominating a woman to the Supreme Court. That, yes. that makes us so good. And look how dark she is. Um, <laughs> that, that makes us extra good. We're making it's all childish. What's a it woman? So I don't childish. know. What's a dark person? I don't know. Uh-huh. It's like, well, yes, you do. Anyway. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, oh my gosh. I'm looking at one of these posts. This guy does. He's, he's, he's skewering the latest. Okay. That's good. I'll check it out later. Yeah, it's it's a rabbit hole, but it's great. It's great, and it's 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 a breath of it's a it's a uh, it's just fresh air. Fresh when air. you see hypocrites and in some ways just downright evil people be called out for what they are, and it's like, oh, I'm so glad people are getting called out because part of the reason there's so much evil festering in the world is just the same way that bacteria festers in a wound. It needs to be cleaned. We're not allowed to clean it because those in power say, hey, let the wound fester. We're going to lose our power if things are truly exposed. That's why you have all these scandals. Everybody's putting the lid on the evil so that it's not exposed because we have only our appetites in mind and we don't have goodness in mind. If I have goodness in mind, I have your goodness in mind as well as mine. But when power is my aim, belonging is my aim, I'll do anything I can to manipulate reality in order to meet my passions. So let's just clarify something really quick. Some somebody might be listening to this that said, that thinks I can't quite tell if this guy just is a hateful person and he hates gay people. What, sure. would, you say, what would you say to that? Or, or say, transgender or, or whatever. I, the cues, I, the cues. Well, if they were to say that, I'd be like, I don't. So, I mean, <laughs> so, so that, that just, that doesn't stick on you. No, you know, I, I don't, I don't like it because I hate being misunderstood. I mean, it's really yeah, it's, me too. It's, it's a deep gripe of mine. I hate it. And, and if somebody right. really wants to manipulate me and, and be an absolute jerk, then misunderstand me over and over again. And it will get. So that's, that's manipulation. You think that, that initial oh, 100, I, I, okay. I, I let, let's just say somebody is not intending to be manipulative. Let's say they're not. I think that's most people. I think yes. most progressives are like that. They're not. They, they definitely don't think of themselves as manipulated people. So that's why this this talk, if they get this far in the talk, they might think that that just that can't, that can't be me. I mean, a certain features sound familiar, but yeah, it goes. I mean, I had experienced the same thing in the fundamentalist school that I went to. 
It's mm-hmm. that there's a lot of sincere people who are in the group and they're repeating the narrative of the group in order to keep the structure in place. Mm-hmm. And it's well-intended. It's, I will, I, I will yeah. even be charitable and say everything sure. that they say is sincere, but what yeah. they're saying is a lie. What yeah. do we call a sincere lie? Lie. <laughs> That's exactly what you call it. And I would say you're not trying to do it to harm somebody, but you are harming somebody. And so how do you convince that person? It's not my job. Right, to convince right, them, right, right, right. But for me to say, look, it would really serve you well if you change the trajectory of your life to say, I want to be open to reality at all costs, rather than I want to fit into a particular group who has somehow arbitrarily dictated what morality is and how I should live. Because these things are not based on what is real. And that that's noted in the philosophy and it's been going on for 150 years. Yeah, the folks that are, let's clarify what we mean by against the Second Amendment. Because if you read the Heller decision in 2008, there were two sides. There's a 5-4 decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the court got it right. The five were on the right side the right they had the right answer for the most part there's a few things in there that i sure would, would quibble with um i'm not sure why scalia put it that way or you know just unclear i know um, what you're referring to yeah uh, yeah and then the 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 dissent was written by justice stevens <clears throat> and he um he would probably say this is what the second amendment is I and mean, it's not like i'm against the second amendment it's just that Um, I understand it correctly. And, you know, it's about hunting and it's about community rights and it's, it's not about. So um, when we're saying, and I say we, because I'm on your side on this, I I agree, you know, sure. One of the benefits of naming the podcast, the Republican professor is you click on it. You can, you shouldn't be triggered by anything. Um, I just wanted to say the word trigger in this discussion. You, you, sh- you, you, you know, you, sh- if I make a wise crack about Democrats, well, it should just roll off your back, like water off a duck's back because, you know, you kind of knew that, but I don't want to be annoying about it. I don't want to sit here and just do that. That's not really productive. Mm-hmm. I, I want to engage people and, and really listen. I do. And I feel like I have listened for like many, many years mm-hmm. and I've been misunderstood in return. And it, it's not a fair thing that's going on. It, it's, it's very manipulative what mm-hmm. I've seen. So I, I hope that comes across in the podcast, mm-hmm. but in terms of you and me, when we say that we're for the second, for the second amendment, we're just to help people understand in this debate about what the second amendment is, we're on the side of Heller versus DC for the most part, broadly speaking, we're on the side of McDonald versus Chicago. You can take a look at those cases. You can read them. You can, we're on, uh, legally, that's what we mean. And philosophically, we're going deeper and we're trying to uh, tie up these loose ends because there's a lot of issues that are related to the heart of the Second Amendment, which is self-defense. Wouldn't you say it's about self being able to defend yourself and not be 100%. Because okay. what the, the state does, and it typically is one political party, but 
Um, and I could chase that rabbit trail down if you're not convinced, but you know, it's, it's, it is, it's typically, I'm just describing, I'm not evaluating. I'm just describing it's typically the democratic party. Um, there are some Republicans that are problematic on that too. They're with the Democrats, but, but, um, we wouldn't have McDonald versus Chicago if it wasn't for Republicans on the Supreme court, it was five Republicans against four. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't have Heller versus DC if, if, uh, we, we didn't have Republicans on the Supreme court, you know, if George Bush hadn't been president, we wouldn't have that decision. That's mm -hmm. just a fact because mm -hmm. the Democrats were all in agreement and the Republicans were for the most part in agreement with a, few, a couple that went with the Democrats anyway. Okay. Sorry to all that, but there are deeper issues and there are other issues that come up. For example, magazine capacity, why 11 and not 10, why is 11 a felony and not 10? Why, why, uh, um, I mean, you know, regulations very well, very much, um, very, very much because, well, I'm not going to say why I know that, but, uh, in California, we're dealing with background checks on ammunition pur purchases at Walmart. Right. And, and guess what? Walmart doesn't sell ammunition anymore, That's which right. was the point of that goal because it's costly. These these things are costly um uh waiting day period in california 10 days that's for each time you do a purchase even if and this happened to me one time this happened to me uh even if you already own a gun you have mm -hmm. to wait 10 days and, right. and wh why do you have to wait the 10 days if you ask why why do you have to wait the 10 days oh it's a cooling off period that's right it's a cooling. Well, but I are, I'm already armed legally. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to have to make sure we can trust you. Well, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. Why is it that I, ha it's about trust of me. Why is it uh -huh. not about trust of you? You know, I mean, you're the big government. I mean, you're the huge government. Why, how can I trust you when it, here's an example? Like one time I was in a, years ago, I was in a, a store in central California and it was a farm country and I gun store. And I saw this, uh, I had just, um, purchased, a, a, a during for a private party, uh, a, a collectible handgun that they don't make anymore. And I did the paperwork for the 10 day waiting period. And just after I had signed the paper, I saw in the, the little, cabinet area for sale a, an older model of the same gun that was like mm. 40 years earlier wow 30 or 40 years earlier from the great depression it was called a curio and relic and i looked at that thing and I, and the guy told me the story and he was like yeah a farmer carried that you know during you know john john steinbeck era and, and as a curio you don't have to go through the same background checks i don't know you do so oh, yeah. I had to do an additional background check for that too, even though it was only merely seconds of a difference in, in the system. Yeah. But it, that that's how ridiculous it is. It's like, it, it's so ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And you have to pay fees for that. And you can just see it's about getting money and it, it just, it's just, it's abusive. It's like, you know, um, you're not treated as an ordinary person. You're just treated like some kind of weird. And these, I just, 
so that you got the 10 day waiting period, by the way, a great case to read on that. And I'll give a Democrat a compliment here is a district court judgment. Sylvester versus Harris is, is the name of it when it went up through appeal because Harris, Kamala Harris was the uh, attorney general, but the earlier version was, was Harris versus, uh, or sorry, um, Sylvester versus, uh, I want to say it was Becerra. Well, actually, wait, Becerra came after Harris. Whoever, it might have been Harris. I think it might have been Sylvester versus Harris at the district court level. And it was a central California court. And that, the reason I say you could, you can go in Google Scholar and find us. You can go to Google Scholar, then hit cases in federal and just put Sylvester versus Harris and look for the uh, district court judgment. And it was a Democrat federal judge, and he had a trial on the 10 day waiting period. And he had collected all these facts and he wrote this really thoughtful opinion. He was a, he was a Democrat. He was Clinton pointy. And he said, this makes no sense. The 10 day waiting period makes no sense. When you look at the reasoning, what they say, the reasoning is, and the facts it's incoherent. It's totally incoherent. Mm. And it, it's all laid out there for you. And then the Ninth Circuit basically did not pay attention to anything he said and said, no, 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 uh, no, uh, it does make sense. And then reversed it. So that's why we still have the 10 day waiting period. But my point is, we have these other we have the uh, what is an assault weapon, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and we have before that they were trying to ban handguns and okay. we have the, the handgun roster here and and on and on and on and there's all these issues that crop up conceal carry that's a that's so i just named like five or six things they all sprout out of this issue so your approach is very cool because you're getting at the heart mm-hmm. and the coherence issue of what all these issues have to have in common mm-hmm. meaning once you get at the heart of the second amendment and the deeper issues in the second amendment what's going on there you're going to be able to figure out very easily and coherently w- which side is correct on magazines on background checks on waiting periods on what's an assault weapon um and and um whether should there be a handgun roster and what's that really all about and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give you that compliment. Thank you. And it does, it comes back to this coherent life, which should translate into coherent laws. And then when you have a society that has to live according to incoherent laws, it creates disorder for an incoherent life. When you're perpetually having to jump through hoops of a legal system that is always calling you names, treating like a second class citizen, maybe we can use Jim Crow even as an example, it creates, an inco- it creates a much larger obstacle to live a good life in society when you always have that abuser pushing you back into incoherent forms. Would you say that the that, racism that you just mentioned, the, the segregation, would you sure. say that was abuse? Absolutely. Would you say that's boundary crossing? Absolutely. Can you say why? Just so that we help us understand how that relates to the Second Amendment. Well, it would relate because everybody's a human that we're talking about. 
And then humans all have equal access to live out their lives in a coherent way with each other. So when you have segregation for who sits on buses, especially when we're talking about the public sphere Mm -hmm. or who can drink from water fountains, who's allowed to get a job, who can get a loan on the house. And the reason you are choosing who goes where is because you think one person is less human than the other person. Obviously that's, it's abusive and abusive abuse is a demoralizing of our humanity. It's a dehumanizing enterprise. And Jim Crow is dehumanizing, and we know that. But California's firearm laws are deeply dehumanizing, and we know why they're, we know why they pile on with all these incoherent laws. We know why that's a strategy. They want to get rid of all of it. They want the supreme power of the land to be only the government and whoever can vie for that power. As long as they can do that and get everybody else to keep complying within the system they want to make in their own image. They're going to heap on law after law after law and create as much havoc and fear as possible so that you won't exercise your moral right in their presence. Hmm. What do you say to people? It's very psychologically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you say to people um, who look over at England and places in Europe that have, in terms of self-defense laws, being armed for self-defense against crime? They have a very different system where the state is much more intrusive and powerful. That's right. What do you think? If people looked at that and said, why can't we have that over here? They seem to be doing Mm -hmm. fine. What would you say to that? Well, I would say just because the outcome of fineness, whatever that fineness means to me, means to somebody doesn't necessarily mean that that fineness was arrived in a moral way. You could look to East Germany as well. Look how ordered everybody is. Look how quiet the streets are. Look how everybody shows up to work on time. The communist dream is all happening. Everybody lives on so little. Isn't this a blessing? Isn't this fine? Hmm. But the truth is, is if that if the people in England were so good and so loving and so nurturing to each other, then why would they having firearms change anything? Because they wouldn't use them in any way that would violate another person. What those messages tell me is we don't trust each other at all. And our distrust has grown substantially to the point that I do not want you empowered at all. And then when you go down the list of all the disempowering things that happen in these you know, European tyrannies called democracies, you see that the taxation is really high. So your yeah. work is disempowered. Your firearms, your self-defense is disempowered. Your education is disempowered because so much of the resources go to that and you'd have fewer choices for yourself unless you're really wealthy. On and on. Yeah. Your transportation disempowered because they want to regulate what are considered normal means of having energy so you can move about and move freely. You know, some people might be like, well, that's okay with me. It's okay with me. I'm like, that's fine if that's the life you choose. But it's right. not a fine life that is a controlling manipulative life and that's if it's chosen for you in other words yeah if it's chosen for you then then you're living an incoherent life yeah because you need to make the choice you it's up to you to make good choices not up to the government to make them for you granted there has to be boundaries i think governments are instituted among men so that we can have life liberty and property but as soon as government starts treading on those things government is no longer 
government of the people, by the people, for the people, is its own new entity, which is behaving in an abusive relationship. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I think that thought that was great that you, I mentioned England and you went right to East Germany and you're saying, no, hold on a second. This is actually what, this is the spectrum it's on. Exactly. It's, right. it's not on the American spectrum. It's on this East German. That's East right. Germany is, well, West Germany is not really that different than East Germany in that sense. Not anymore, is it? No, not their, anymore, their buildings no. are more colorful. I, I visited East Germany back in the late 80s with my family and, and it was uh it was dreary and eye-opening the toilet paper felt like sandpaper it was i was like wow this is this this is the utopia of communism isn't it wonderful but they it, had it, a it, wall it, they had a wall between east berlin and west berlin do you you, you were in berlin or i did i was you? not in berlin itself no but we were okay. in east germany and it was i think it literally was the year before the wall fell and if you see the movie Lives of Others, which we may have watched that together somewhere along the line, The Lives of Others. It's a powerful movie about the Stasi police of East Germany okay. and how they manipulated and controlled and surveyed the people. And I don't see it much different than how our own intelligence agencies have turned against our own people, always digging up dirt, always using what we have, even things that we can't even talk about on this podcast. I know because we live in an era where there is are such extreme abuses that you can't even speak openly and freely in public without a somebody, some rogue person wanting to beat you up because their little cult said it's bad for you to talk about these things or the government showing up with with guns. I mean, we live yeah. in a violent society and it's built into the system. And I, that's a major, major problem that we, we're not addressing because we're so busy addressing the talking points that are on the campaign trip campaign trail rather yeah. than the deeper questions of how do we live a good life? Cause it's not happening. people. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, uh, the, f there, there does seem to be a very low attention span and it's caught up in um, trying to keep up with the news, but the news is so fragmented that it's mm -hmm. very difficult to piece together a, a coherent picture. And it's and by the time you you're done doing that, you're so exhausted that how do you? I mean, someone listening to this might be like, okay, I see where he's going. He's not a hateful person. He doesn't hate. He's not racist. He doesn't hate whatever you know. And 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 he's got some good points, but then maybe I'm discouraged because you just said he studied philosophy as a graduate student. I don't have time to do that. How do I level up on this? Is that mm -hmm. what your website is designed to do? Like, yes, partly. Tell us about your website. So the website it's, it's in process. It's supposed to be done soon, but the primary emphasis will be the archives of what I create on Instagram. And I think that the average person if they were to visit there and scroll through the archives, which would just be my little explanation under each image, I think picked a picture will form. The images will be there too? The images will be there. And I'm okay. hoping it has a feature where you can hover over it, hover over the image, and then the caption will be easy to read. So you don't have to leave the page. You can just hover over every picture and read quickly. That'd be cool. I think if you hang out long enough, you, you, an image starts to emerge that at the end of the day, we have a fork in the road and we have to choose. Am I going to be a realist? That is, I want to be informed by reality. Or am I going to be an anti-realist? 
which means I will shape reality to fit my passions. A realist is one who is seeking after real morality, real science, a real God, real relationships. And an anti-realist says, it doesn't matter what the science says, whatever's going to give me the power, that's what we're going to do. It doesn't matter if there's a God or not. If, there, if I just say he is there and it gives me power today, great. If I say he's not there and it gives me a sense of relief today, that's great. Those, that, that's the fork in the road. And the progressives have chosen, widely chosen, the anti-realist perspective. Sometimes it sounds like a realist perspective only when it benefits them for power. But left to themselves, it will perpetually be what St. Paul said 2,000 years ago. The struggle of the flesh and the spirit and this flesh will win because the appetites are what guide the progressive movement. Hmm. Are you, are you pro-science? What's that? Are you pro-science? Are you, are you against science, Dale? <laughs> I, I am pro-knowledge and science is a discipline to arrive at knowledge. That's to me is the safest way, the best way to are say Are you it. following the science? I always follow the science. I really, I want to follow the best we have getting at the reality of things. I don't care when science becomes politicized, it's all about who's the spokesman, right? But when you can move the spokesman aside and say, I want to get at reality, what exactly is a virus? How is it affecting people? And the data of how it's affecting people, that's the information that I want. I don't care what the spokesman says. They might be right. They might not be right. But if I have right, to just follow right. the spokesman, then I'm more of a postmodern anti-realist because my authority is now based on a person and their oh, agenda. That's that's very that's huge. What you just said. Yeah. And today, in, in this huge. world right now, it's huge. you just you just you just connected the last two years to the Second Amendment. Do you, so you're saying you see connections in the deeper issue of the Second Amendment with what happened in the last two years with the oh, 100 percent. Absolutely. And it the spokesman thing really rang out to me, like what you just said mm. about you follow following science versus following a spokesman. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows what you're saying about the spokesman. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you follow the science, though? If I mean, isn't it about just believing what the authorities tell you? I mean, I can't do the experiments. Right, I that's just the have big to jo- trust them, right? That's the big joke, isn't it? They're like, well, are you a scientist? Well, but there is, I mean, it is kind of true though. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't have that expertise. So that's why we hire people like that to, to, so how, how, how do we have, let's say that I'm someone that's with you over 50% right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm now listening more carefully to you, let's say. And you're real, this is, you're speaking to me like, okay, hold on. This guy's not crazy here. You're, I feel something here. How do I make, how do I help me? How do I think for myself? How do I not just trust? Cause I do want to belong, but I'm, I don't have any, but there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. also, you know, mm-hmm. You know, on the day-to-day level, sometimes it is difficult when you look around you and you're like, golly, I'm surrounded by a bunch of dysfunctional people. Mm -hmm. I think that part of 
our quest is, is to hold on to ourselves. I think of Rudyard Kipling's poem, If, you know, if you can keep your head about you and everyone else is losing theirs, mm -hmm. then you'll be a man, my son. And I think that if you, we can hold on to ourselves and be having the conversations that matter, I have found over and over and over again, I start touching and finding those people in my community or online that care about those things too. And I start seeing how belonging fits into all of it. But you know, nobody wants to belong to a needy person. So we long for belonging, but as soon as we become needy, then we're like a little leech onto somebody else saying, <laughs> I need you to give me purpose. I need you to make me matter. Mm -hmm. As soon as you do that, you're just a little codependent addict person. That you need, we have to grow out of that. So maybe that's what therapy is necessary. And reading books on how to grow beyond your codependent family and whatever it may be that trained you to move in those directions. But I think that learning to hold on to ourselves and having the conversations that really matter to us is a part of moving into the wide open space. And it's hard to know who those people are going to be. You can't just say, I need everybody who wears, you know, who carries Louis Vuitton bags. That's my tribe. It's not the way it is. When you, when you start moving into healthy places, you'll find the goofiest people out there are also moving into healthy places. And you're like, wow, I would never ex have expected this guy or this gal would be my friend. But they're moving in the same direction I am. And I have to rearrange. I don't need a friend that just looks a certain way or talks a certain way or is in the in-group or the popular or whatever. I need a group that can plant. I need a person that, and friends that can plant their feet on the ground who are growing to become more mature and that can stand with you in times of crisis. But those, that's a gradual process of building up friendships around you, but you have to start yourself to say, I need to get healthy and then you'll find healthy people. I understand. And, and sometimes so it starts with that. It starts with saying, I want to get healthy. I want to be healthy and I need to go find, where do I put myself in positions where I can find other people who care about these same things. So somebody who might be a second amendment person might say, I want to join the, the gun club down there. Not because I want to be interested in guns. I just want to go to their meetings and start to get to know people with this mindset. Maybe I want to join a certain political group that's happening in my town or join a church or just float about at different churches and find ones that say, I'm resonating with health here. I want to get to know more people in this. In some ways, the structures are kind of built in to our communities. And so it gives us a head start to maybe find people who have the same interests we do. You might find one or two people in there that actually do want to grow more and people you do belong to, but it takes time and you have to give yourself that allowance. Now, if, if someone listens to this and is, is with you about 60%, maybe, and they're thinking, okay, I'm not quite sure how to be healthy. I don't know what that means. I think truly codependent people or people with the traits, maybe full blown or people with the traits think it's very difficult to change. I'm not yeah. sure that somebody that's got full blown codependence can change. I'm not even sure they can see it. Even it's with, tragic, even with it? therapy, even with therapy, maybe they can't, but I think. Yes, I hear what you're I, saying. I don't mean to make you sad, but I, I just no, wonder let's not go how, to the people that have no hope. Let's not talk about hopeless people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So your you Instagram know, posts are not going to work with them. I mean, unless. And then that, that's I mean, not my audience. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
You know, a book that was really helpful to me, and it's an older book, but it was uh, The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. Yeah, you've mentioned that to me before. I, I, didn't, awesome. I threw it away because it didn't have any pictures. I, and it didn't have any pie charts and it had no, I, it had no facts. Like it had no statistics that were in yes. picture form. I mean, maybe the words had them in there technically, but I, I mean, so I'm most of my you. Bibles I've thrown away. Thank God. I still have the children's Bibles with the pictures because but even then I ripped out the pages that didn't have the pictures. So I, yes. have, I have like, <laughs> I have a lot, some of the Bible. Um, I think I have the Christmas story because of the, they had the picture there. And well, you're very accomplished for being only a visual learner. That's quite remarkable. Well, I, I appreciate that. If the Bible, if a typical Bible had some pie charts, had some scatter plots, and just some facts, some statistics, then I would be able to trust it better. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's how you know it's Sorry. telling the truth. I'm, you can tell. You can tell. I'm. I need my coffee. <laughs> Well, this has been a great conversation, and I, I think you've just given us a lot to work with. Uh, hmm. I think it's going to take some people a, lot, a long time to process this stuff. Absolutely. Which is fine. And you're in this Absolutely. for the long haul, right? I'm in it for the long haul. Whether I do it publicly or not, I don't know, but it's the trajectory of my life. If I can't live this out in my private world, I can't do it in public. So everything I share in public is stuff that has been brewed and tested and thought about. In, in my private world. I, I want to be a coherent person. Okay. And so that's what I want to bring to others because the gift of being able to connect to reality is the most remarkable freedom we know, no matter how many guns or how many, no matter how much free speech you think you have, when you can connect to reality and you're growing into the human person you were designed to be, that is freedom. So we have voice of at voice of the second Instagram they can find you there at voice of the second. And the second is a, is the letter to the number two, sorry, May, let me make sure I spell my numbers. Right. Um, and they can see your work there. Are you going to link your website and stuff? There? When, when it's yeah. When my website's when active, it'll be, it'll be right there. For is there anything else you want me to mention about uh, your work where people can find you? No, that's my only place right now is okay. right there. You're not on Twitter. Or anything? Man. What's that? You're not on Twitter or anything. No, I tried. It was just too much, too much noise and vitriol. I feel like I can kind of control some of that noise on Instagram better than I can on Twitter and Facebook. So, okay. It, tell it, Yeah. Why? Oh, I didn't ask you, why are you not on Facebook again? Yeah. I, yeah, I used to be on Facebook. I mean, I used to have, I've documented thousands of conversations on there. And uh, I eventually deleted my account, but okay. um, I, I, I got off Facebook because of the noise. It just, and when I got on there, it was just perpetual distraction and information overload. Mm -hmm. And Instagram allowed me to kind of control it and contain it in one narrow place. The conversations can be shorter. We can get straight to the heart of things that people leave comments when we have dialogue and, uh, and the expectations are different. People are here to just, let me just chew a little bit. Let me just have a morsel each time rather than getting too ingrained into who are all my family connections and all my friend connections and this <laughs> wide thing that has nothing to do with the stuff that we, we need to talk about when it comes to freedom, liberty, humanity, and, and the second amendment. Okay. 
Well, ho- hopefully it's up there a long time so that people listening to this years from now don't don't come to this one and go, wait, I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I've been duped. Damn it. Well, thank you for joining us from New Hampshire at Voice of the Second. Thank and you, Lucas. Stop recording now.